Hey guys, it's Phil. I'm, I'm a little excited because you're getting ready to hear a great message on the kingdom of God. This one really blessed me. I was excited to get to study about it and and God just brought some things out that I thought were invaluable. So, you know, I hope you'll press in with your heart and allow God to minister to you through this podcast. like to give our ushers a hand. Can we just bless our ushers? They are doing an amazing job, and I'm so blessed by the team of people that God has assembled at Vision Church. So how many of you are ready to get into some word this morning? Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I got some fired up people. Well, turn in your Bible first, if you're going to follow along in your Bible, uh, over to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, and so I wanted us to talk a little bit this morning about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. You remember all through the Old Testament, the children of Israel had a cycle that transpired over and over and over again, and this was kind of usually how it went. They, They would be serving God and loving him, but then they would fall into rebellion. Usually it was because of association, you know, with other, other nations, but they would fall into rebellion. And then oppression would happen. There would be an oppressive uh, nation that would come in and take control. And then repentance would happen. And then deliverance, right? God would raise up judges to be able to come in and deliver the children of Israel. People like Moses, people like Deborah, like Gideon. Samson, right? And so God would raise them up. And so this was a, this was a pretty common thing that happened in, for the children of Israel all during those years. And it was all recorded, right? It was all written down. I mean, the priests could read it in the scrolls, you know, of, of their history and what that looked like. And so interesting thing is in those scrolls and in that history, Also, prophets like Daniel, like Micah, like Balaam, they began to prophesy about a king who was coming. A king who would come, and he would do two things. He would establish his kingdom, but then it would also be a kingdom that would last forever. He would rule. There would be no end to his rule. It would go from generation to generation to generation. So how many of you, if you're living in an oppressed nation, would be excited about a new king coming who's going to set us free from oppression, right? So here's some of those prophecies. One of them was the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 7. He said, his government and its peace will be no end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. Look at another one. Micah said this. He said this in Matthew chapter 2. Actually, Jesus is quoting him. He said, but you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So it would make sense that with Israel's history the way that it was and the cycle, the endless cycles that they went through, that they're thinking, okay, a Messiah is going to come. He's going to establish a kingdom and he's going to free us from the bondage that we live in, right? You remember that Daniel prophesied 
that all these different nations would rise to power. The Babylonian nation rose to power. And back then, that was the entire world, right? So they came into power, and then you remember the Persian, uh, the Persians rose up after them, and then by the time Jesus was born, the Romans had taken over the entire world. So now they're ruling the entire world, right? And so this is what's on, if you and I, if we were disciples, Let's say that we were, because sometimes I've tried to put myself in those shoes, and I've tried to imagine, okay, what, what if I didn't know the Bible at all? What if I'd never heard any of these stories? I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. What would my thought process be if I was a disciple? I'm thinking that Jesus is going to come, and he, uh, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to take care of the Romans. He's going to get us out of bondage from the Romans, and he's going to establish a kingdom, Right? And so here Jesus comes. Oh, that's exciting. Jesus comes, right? But Jesus didn't come to set Israel free from the Romans. He came to set them free from Satan's control. Think about it. But, they, but we're natural people, right? Everything in this world is, is a, is a feeling-based world, right? We can touch it. We can taste it. We can see it. And so, and so that's what we understand here. But there's another realm, if I can say it. There's another form of government. And that form of government dictates everything in the natural. You know, uh, every year in the UN, there's, I think right now, there's like 192 nations. Because believe it or not, that number changes every year at the UN. It depends on if there's a civil war, you know, and monarchs change hands or whatever. And so right now, those are kingdoms here on earth. But really, in essence, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. There used to just be the kingdom of light. That was the only kingdom. Do you remember Satan when he came into the garden? And he deceived Eve. Adam went willingly. Sorry, guys, but he did. He was there. He saw it. He could have stopped it. But he didn't. And so, but what happened? Satan became the god of this world. Right? And so he tried to steal the kingdom away from God. And so it, it would make sense that if I was a disciple and I had not read the Bible, I knew nothing about what the outcome was going to be, that I would think that Jesus is coming to get rid of the Romans, right? And so that's probably what the disciples thought. Well, listen to, what, listen to how Jesus responds to Pilate. You remember they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, and, and if, if this was me, you and I probably, we would have supported Peter, right? Because for that fact, in the garden, when the soldiers came to take Jesus prisoner, what did Peter do? He pulls out his sword, cuts off the soldier's ear. Why? Because this is it, guys. This is our opportunity. We're going to unseat Caesar, and Jesus is going to sit on that seat. I would have been right there with him. What? What are we going to? Okay. You know, this is, this is war. This is a coup. We're going to overthrow the government. But listen to what Jesus says, because Jesus, Peter must have just been like, what? Put your sword away. Why? 
I thought this is our opportunity. I thought you're going to establish your kingdom and you're going to rule forever. And he says, no, put your sword away. And Jesus heals the soldier's ear. And he goes willingly. Wouldn't that make you scratch your head? I mean, Peter's probably going, what in the world is happening? What is going on? And then Jesus is brought before Pilate. And he says this to Pilate. Pilate asks him about his kingdom. And Jesus answers this way in John 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not here on earth. So his kingdom is not here. So I have a question for you. In the midst of all this, where do you live in the kingdom of God? Where do you live? I'm not talking about where do you wake up in the morning, but I'm talking about where do you live? If you're born again, if you're a believer, then guess what? You're a foreigner here. This is not your home. You're a citizen now in heaven. Right? Okay. All right, I just want to make sure I have the right crowd here. So, but what that means is this, is since we're citizens of heaven, then guess what? We have privileges that have been made available to us. Okay, so what if you inherited a thousand acres? I had an uncle that had a thousand acres and it took, to, took about a half hour to drive around it because it was a lot of land. So that's, that's a good, that's a substantial inheritance. Let's say you inherited a thousand acres. And you never went to look at it. Yeah, it's over there. It's somewhere. A friend of mine uh, sat in the seat next to Scottie Pippen one time on, an air, on a flight. And he was telling me that, that he said, they were on their way here to Arkansas, to Little Rock. And he asked Scottie, he said, well, what brings you to Little Rock? And he said, well, my, he said, I bought some land down here somewhere. And he didn't even know where it was. They were going to turn it into a golf course and <laughs> didn't know where the land was. But let's just say, but he was coming down to inspect it like we should. So let's say we have this inheritance. We've inherited a thousand acres. Wouldn't you want to go and explore the thousand acres? Wouldn't you want to know if there's any creeks, if there's any mineral rights? You know, maybe we could drill for oil. I mean, you know, is it land that can be developed? Is it land that can be farmed? I mean, you want to get all these questions answered, right? Well, now that you've been born again, how many of you have been born again? Yeah, yeah come on. Some of you are excited about it. That's great. <laughs> maybe the rest of us will get excited about it. No, but, but now that you're born again, you have this inheritance. You have all of these things as a citizen now of heaven because when you got born again, you changed your citizenship. Right? So now you're a foreigner here. But in heaven, you're a citizen. And so now you have these privileges and these things that are available to you. Are you tracking with me? All right. Good. All right. So Matthew chapter 6, somebody said some of us. Okay. Well, I pray it'll be all of us by the time we end. In Matthew chapter 6, turn over there. I want to read a scripture to you out of verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Are you believing God with me this morning? 
Because this thing works well if, if, if both of us are on the same team and we're both seeking God together. Amen? Because if you came looking for me to entertain you, I, I think you're going to be real disappointed. Because I don't even have a good joke to tell this morning. Boo, somebody's booing me already. Come up here and say that. Where are you? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 9. It says, in this manner, therefore pray. This is Jesus instructing his disciples how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we look at heaven and we look at the way things are in heaven, and then Jesus is instructing us to, to pray that 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 it would be the same in heaven as it is on earth, as it is in heaven, that it would be that way here. Okay, so we've been born again. We've become citizens of heaven. But now what God wants us to do is imitate Jesus. How many of you know we're supposed to imitate Jesus? So what did Jesus do? He went around healing the sick, didn't he? Well, how, how was he able to do that? He was, a, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was, in, he was empowered to heal people. I mean, he's God. He's 100% God, 100% man, right? But now he's died on the cross and he's given you and I authority through the name of Jesus. In fact, it says, these signs will follow those who believe, scripture says, that, that will we'll cast out demons, right? Oh, come on. Wouldn't that be fun? We get a demon-possessed person up here and have you come down, cast it out. I think that would just be a party, don't you? Right? That we would cast out demons, that we would step on serpents. I love that scene in the Passion of the Christ where Jesus steps on the head of that snake. That's my favorite. I love that. Because I've had some snakes around my house. We discovered, anyway, I won't go into the snake story, but um, but the last thing that he said that we would be able to do, this, the signs that would follow believers, is that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Well, how many of you remember the Healy shoes? The kids used to have, had a little heel in the back, had a little wheel in the back, and it was like a roller skate, one with one wheel, you know, and they, they could just put their heels up and, phew, I mean, they were going. So Becca had a pair of those. And she got the idea that it would be a good idea to go down our neighborhood street, which had a slight descent. <laughs> and, and she would just see how fast she could go down this. I don't know. She, you were skating. And so she, she took off down this hill. Well, a little pebble got stuck in the wheel. Yeah. And it stopped. And now she's flying forward. Well, what's your, you know, common instinct is to put your hands out. And she did. And this rock went right into the meaty part of her hand. And of course she came home and she is bawling. And I mean, and it's a, it's a very serious cry because you're, you as a parent, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, and, you know, all out. And so she's bawling and she, we get her inside we get her calmed down. Well, she's holding her arm and she's not able to move her hand. 
And so the first thing that we did after we got her calmed down was I remembered this scripture. These signs will follow those who believe. We will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many of you know her arm is sick right now? And so we laid hands on her and we prayed. And it doesn't have to be this long, drawn out, sweaty, screaming in tongues prayer. I mean, you know, but do what Holy Spirit tells you to do, okay? I'm not saying that he may want you to scream in tongues. For some folks, some of you would if I had the demon-possessed guy down here probably. It'd be great. It'd be so cool. <laughs> Just, I'm trying to... Uh, we, we had one about a month ago, but one of our guys chased him off. I didn't get a chance to get my hands on him. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting off track. I'm digressing. And so, so we prayed for her. We prayed a prayer of faith. That's the important thing. Is it, a, is it a prayer of faith? And so we prayed over her. Well, there was no instantaneous change. Her hand, she still couldn't move, but she wasn't crying anymore. And she was calmed down. And Nicole looked at me and she said, well, what should we do? And I said, well, I think, I think we should give it until morning. We prayed, let's give God time to move. Sometimes we're too much in a hurry, aren't we? Sometimes when you get in panic mode, you are no longer in faith. What did we do a moment ago uh, during worship? We got rid of fear. What does fear do? Fear makes you want to panic. Fear makes you want to jump. It makes you want to make a snap decision, decide to do something instantaneously. And we're in this world system. And so it's easy to get up and go to the doctor and get medication in this society, right? Because it's available. Phil, are you saying you're against doctors and medication? Absolutely not. I'm not against it. That's what I mean. Uh, no, I, but anything that you do, do it in faith. I mean, there was a time when my mom had a massive heart attack, and I could tell that story another time that the Lord said, take her to the hospital now. So I knew, and she walked out in 16 days. This amazing miracle of God. But anyway, so Becca, her hand doesn't move. She goes to sleep. She wakes up the next morning, and she says, Dad, look at my hand. Look at my arm. Yeah, come on, Jesus. And I just said, glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for working. Because we have a promise in the word of God. Why not put it into practice? Well, Phil, I just don't believe, like, I don't believe that that's true for today. Well, then you need to go overseas to Africa. And sit in some conferences where some guys have walked 16 miles to get there. And they've brought their uncle that's in a wheelchair. I, I heard this and it blessed my heart. Daniel Kalinda was sharing about a situation where he, he was about to preach a conference and he had flown in um, to preach the conference. And he said, we got there to the conference and there's like 60 to 80,000 people. I don't know if you've seen 60 to 80,000 people, you know, in one place, but that's a lot of folks. And so all these people are out there and he said, we hadn't even got through the announcements. And people started screaming. Oh, way over here, way out in this group. And we were looking out there, trying to figure out what was going on. And suddenly a wheelchair appeared up over the crowd. And they're holding up this wheelchair. And they're jumping up and down, jiggling this wheelchair. And they realized somebody has been healed over here. Then somebody started screaming over here. They're making the announcements. 
tell me this thing doesn't happen. And crutches come up over here. And then somebody starts screaming over here and a demon-possessed woman is free and her eyes are clear and that spirit had gone out of her. And she was healed, healthy and whole. Tumors were healed. And as I'm hearing these testimonies, I'm like, okay, don't say it's not for today. Don't say that we can't still experience it today. Why Why are we so quick to jump? To back up and to say, well, you know, sometimes God does. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't think it's always his will to heal you. Well, can I show you a scripture that says contrary to that? Turn over to Matthew. Come on, I'm just preaching from my heart in here. I, I'm just thankful that the Holy Spirit, I, I wouldn't know what to do without the Holy Spirit in my life. Matthew chapter 8. Look at verse 2 and 3. Matthew chapter 8. There was a leper, there was a large, large crowd that followed Jesus, and there was a leper that came to him. And the leper came to him, and he knelt down before him, and he said, Lord, look at what he says. He says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, if you are willing. This is a question a lot of Christians, I've noticed, have. They know that God is able, they know that he's powerful, and can do it. That's not the question. The question is if you are willing. You can make me clean. Now, you want to talk about quarantine? Let's talk about lepers. I mean, they couldn't come near anybody. They couldn't be within 20 feet of of another person. Never mind. I was about to tell you how they came up with the six-foot rule, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) But go back to the scripture. Sorry. Is it? Okay, there it is. Okay. And look at what Jesus, look at his response. What's his response? I am willing. I think we should make, turn that into a plaque. Put that on your wall, in front of your desk. Put that on your desk facing you so that you always know Jesus is saying, I am willing. Whatever you're going through, well, I mean, whatever you're dealing with in your body, Jesus is saying, I am willing. I am willing. Whew. That's so good. Wow. But see, many have been taught that they won't reach God's kingdom until they die or go to heaven. How many of you were taught that? I was growing up. That, you know, one day I'll experience the kingdom of God and it'll be after I leave this planet, after I die. Well, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. It says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. You remember I talked about two kingdoms. So he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's transferred us. We flew into Chicago. We transferred from one plane to the plane that was going to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And we transferred. So now I'm no longer here now on this plane. Now I'm on this plane, going a new direction, right? Transferred. So as citizens of the kingdom, guess what? We get to enjoy heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. But Phil, I, you know, I've, I've prayed for people and nothing's happened. 
Let me encourage you in a couple of things, and we're going to get into this deeper. Um, is, is this. <clears throat> well, one, don't allow, your, don't, don't, don't allow temptation to doubt to ever come in to your heart. You know, because we'll be tempted to doubt when, when you pray. Well, what if this doesn't work? Well, one of two things is getting ready to happen. An amazing miracle, and this is going to be spectacular, and it's going to be a blessing for this person. Or there may be a little bit of social embarrassment for me. And I'm okay with that because I believe Jesus is able and he's willing to do this. Todd White's testimony it blows me away in the sense that he prayed for, I think he said, over a thousand people and nobody got healed. Wouldn't you kind of get, you know, a little frustrated after about 901? You know what I mean? I mean, wouldn't that kind of disappoint you? You're like, you know, well, you know what? Let me pray for you. And nothing happened. And you're like, man, I'm not being a good testimony for you, God. But here's what he did that where many people give up, he kept going. And he said, God, I don't care. Your word says that this is available to me, that these signs will follow those who believe that I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And he kept going. And guess what? Now he's seeing miracles. He's seeing miracles. He's seeing miracles. I was encouraged last week. I, I asked uh, Cheryl because I, Cheryl had come down. We were praying for people. And you made a comment to me that I was, thought was so powerful. You said that um, at first you didn't want to come down because you thought, well, it's just, you know, a little sickness that's trying to come on my body, right? And you thought, well, there's more, you know, more important things that we could pray for. But, you, but your faith caught you, right? And you, I'm sharing your testimony here. Um, but your faith caught you, and you said, that, I'm going to go down anyway. Well, you came down, we prayed, and I, I asked you on Wednesday, what happened? And you said, by the end of the service, you were feeling great. Yes. Thank you, God. Yeah. Well, and you know what's freeing? You know what's freeing is that Phil doesn't have the ability to heal anybody. None of us do. We don't have the ability to heal anybody, but by obedience... And by faith, believing that Jesus will do what he says he's going to do, then guess what? It can happen. Man, that's exciting. That is so exciting. So why aren't more Christians living this? Because I think that we, we're just not aware of the kingdom of God the way that we need to be. I think we're so absorbed in the life that we're trying to live and the finances that we're trying to make and, you know, I mean, the daily routine that we forget about whose kingdom that we really live in, right? The kingdom of God is this. It's a system. Let me read to you what one of my favorite ministers said. He said, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Now, kingdom of heaven, heaven is a location. It's the dwelling place of God. But you'll hear Jesus say more often than the kingdom of heaven. He'll say the kingdom of God. It's, it's nearly double as many times in the New Testament that he said that as opposed to the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of God means it's a system. It's a way of living. And so what do we need? We need a paradigm shift in the way that we think so that we can begin to operate and live 
in his system. Because his system, everything, it dictates everything else. His system is a system that's full of love. That shows us how to love people. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about the people that like you. I'm talking about the people that don't like you. It shows us how to do that. I, I don't, I can't, I remember um, when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky in our neighborhood, um, it was a very intimate neighborhood because we knew everybody, but there was a couple there that got upset at us over something just trivial. And they started talking bad about Nicole and I to our neighbors. And we found out about it from our neighbors. <laughs> they were saying, do you know what they're saying about you? I mean, they don't like you guys. And we would wave at them and smile, and they would just look at us with the with this most sour grimace on their face that you could imagine. And we were like, what did we do, Lord? And so this went on for months. I'm talking months, probably six to eight months. This, this went on. And then finally... Um, you know, people were always giving us things because of the outreach that we were doing. And somebody had called us and said, hey, would you like some of these? Were they perennials? I was at Lowe's. You were at Lowe's. And somebody was, and they gave you these trays of pansies. Yeah, that's right. Because you were known as the, the pansy fairy, right? They told you, they called you. Anyway, that was her, not me. I just helped <laughs> with the trays. But anyway, <laughs> so, so. And so they'd given us enough for every house in the neighborhood. And so we were going around and we were putting them on everybody's driveway. And it was early in the morning. Nobody knew we were doing it. And, and then th- we got to their driveway. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity to love people that don't like us. And so we put a tray on their driveway. Well, do you know that changed everything? That totally turned that situation around. Why? Because we're operating in the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of the flesh. Well, you don't like me? Well, come on, man. What's wrong with you? Can you believe that? I can't believe that. You know. And what are you doing then? You're now, you're, you're fighting in the wrong system. Remember that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles? It's not this way in the flesh. It's not with the arm of the flesh. It's in the spirit, and God shows you what to do. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to land the plane. Come on, Rebecca, help me out, would you? In Luke chapter 17, I want to read this scripture to you. Jesus explained, he talked about the monarch of God, the system of God. And he says in verse 20 of Luke 17, he says, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. This is interesting. The kingdom of God can't be detected by physical signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. So it's something that that is with me, that can travel with me. It's something that can open doors and conversations to be able to minister to people. It's something that's with me so that when I recognize I have an opportunity to bless someone, I can bless them. Or that when they need healing in their body, that, that I can take a risk in order to reap a heavenly reward for them. See, it's not about us. It's not about us. See, because the children of Israel, all they saw was the oppression of the Romans. 
Sometimes when we're just looking at what's in front of us and what's wrong today, and I just want this removed, I just want to get out of this job, or I just want to, you know, change this about my life. I want to get, hey, don't make it too dark. I just need to see faces. Sorry. Um, but, you know, it, it's not always about our comfort. And just, God, if you would just take them out of office and put somebody else in. Let me tell you, they're not your problem. Because they're not your God. They're not your source. They're not your supply. They're not who you're supposed to be trusting in. Now, you better vote because that's your faith. And that's your duty, your responsibility. All of us have a duty to vote. First Corinthians 4 verse 20 says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. See, because God dwells among us, his kingdom is present within us right now. Je this is how Jesus said it. Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, he said, for behold, the kingdom of God is with you in your hearts and among you, meaning it's, um, this is not an Aaron Rodgers move, okay? It's around you, it's around you. I'll go this way. It surrounds you. And it travels with you. You and I should be able to look in the mirror and see him in there. That's how real it should become in our lives. So that when we're with people, we have an opportunity to bless. And it becomes more about ministering to people and allowing our lives to be inconvenienced so that we can bless other people. It's love is never convenient. Many of you know, Nicole and I wrote letters to each other. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was back in the 90s, back when social media was the United States Postal Service. That was how you got to know each other. Your profile was a picture that you sent <laughs> to, to the person that you were writing, you know? And, and, uh, and we wrote letters. And it was, 18, it was an 18-hour drive one way for me. I had no problem making that drive. Why? Because love is not convenient. Love is not convenient. And so anyway, I'm, I'm going to end right there with that because here's what I wanted to establish today is I wanted to establish the kingdom that we're a part of. This is the kingdom now that we are citizens of, that has rulership in our lives. And so next week, I'm gonna begin talking about some of the benefits and some of the privileges that we have and the responsibilities that we have to walk in those privileges. Amen, would you stand up with me this morning?